Well, I'm going to invite up Pastor David. Can we welcome Pastor David? <laughs> pastor David is going to be bringing the word to us. Pastor David serves as our uh, student pastor and associate pastor here at the church, and we love him, and he's going to bring the word to us this morning. Thanks. Appreciate it. How's everybody doing? Good. You should all be thrilled because today is the first Packers game of the 2023 season. I don't know if you could tell. I actually had somebody here that was like, they came in and they kind of looked around a little bit and then they're like, are the Packers playing today? And I was like, what was your first clue? Because I see about 20 people wearing Packers memorabilia. So I'm excited, but I'm not that excited because I heard our starting wide receivers out and our secondary wide receivers injured. So that's fun. Everybody's like, can we just get to the, the message already? I'm telling you, these are the kind of things that distract me. So we are going to go ahead and we're going to recap what we just came out of so that we're all on the same page, okay? So we actually just wrapped up our series, Hearing God's Voice, okay? And uh, the last message that we had was all about increasing your spiritual hearing. As a pastor, and especially as a youth pastor, I think the number one thing that I get asked or I get, uh, I don't know, people seek counsel on is how do I hear the voice of God? How do I hear God speak, right? And there's a couple different ways that we always point people to the direction of, but last week's message was all about increasing your, spir your spiritual hearing. Because even if you feel like you've heard God in the past or you kind of understand it, there's always room where we feel like I could increase my spiritual hearing, right? And that was last week's message. So there was actually five ways that Pastor Jay had kind of elaborated and unpacked on how we can increase our spiritual hearing. Number one was to call out to God. Everybody say, call out to God. Okay, one more time, but all at the same time this time. Everybody say, call out to God. Okay, that was a little better. Number two is prayer and fasting. And this was, uh, as Pastor Jay had said, this is some of our, our least favorite to think about because fasting is not necessarily the easiest thing to do. But when we kind of weaken our flesh and we focus on strengthening our spirit, how many of you know that it's, that's really when you start to hear God speak? Amen? And so prayer and fasting is something that should not go unnoticed. I like this. I wrote down this quote. He said, we don't fast in order to move God. We fast to position ourselves to receive from God. And I think that's really key because God is always willing to give. It's just about our positioning to receive and fasting and praying is the best way, I believe, to do that. Number three is praying in the spirit. Everybody say praying in the spirit. Number three is praying in the spirit because the spirit gives us those utterance that are God's will when we don't know what to pray. How many of you guys have been there where you don't know what you're supposed to be praying? You're stressed out, but you know you need God. So you sit down and you just let the spirit take over. And number four is keep a song of praise in your heart. You don't have to repeat that one because it's wordy. But number four is keep a song of praise in your heart. Now, this is not just driving around listening to worship music, although that's definitely a good thing to do. This is really about keeping that position in your heart and that thing in your heart where you can't help but sing a song of praise out to God. No matter what your situation is, whether you're in a good situation or bad, you would be able to sing out praise to his name. Exactly what we are doing this morning. Those times, by the way, when words go off the screen and you don't know what's going on in worship and Micah or Jay are all of a sudden singing songs that aren't or singing lyrics that aren't up there, that's not the audiovisual team's fault. It's not like they don't know what's going on or that they're clicking on the wrong thing. Those are times where we're singing out a song of praise in our heart, right? 
And so you're encouraged to do the same thing, whether you're here at church or not. And then number five, lastly, is hearing the preaching of the word. Everybody say hearing the preaching of the word. Okay, that was pretty good. So that was all about increasing your spiritual hearing. Number one, call out to God. Number two, prayer and fasting. Number three, praying in the spirit. Number four, keep a song of praise in your heart. And number five, hearing the preaching of the word, which you guys are doing right now, right? When you come to church and you start to hear a message on Sunday morning and you hear us get into the word a little bit and we kind of unpack what's going on in the word of God, but also what God has placed on the heart of whoever may be speaking that Sunday morning. That is hearing the preaching of the word. But this is important because as Jay kind of ended last week at the end of his message, is that we aren't supposed to just hear it, but others are supposed to hear the preaching of the word as well, right? And so we need to kind of be equipped and charged up to go and preach the gospel. We need to bring it to others. And how are you going to bring it to others if you don't have it instilled in your heart yourself, right? Good? Okay. So this message was not just about increasing our spiritual hearing, but everybody else's around us. Now, this is important because we can actually grow spiritually deaf and we might not even notice it. Proverbs 4.20 says this, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight, but keep them within your heart. Where? Within your heart. Keep them within your heart. For the key, or for they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Now, that was kind of a revelation for me. I don't know about you guys, but last week when we had highlighted that scripture, I have read that a thousand times, but that was the first time that I really noticed that Jesus actually promises that when we incline our ear and are paying attention to his word and his sayings and we keep them in the midst of our heart, we can experience healing in that moment. Does that make sense? We see that? That was kind of a revelation for me, and so I don't, I don't want that to go unnoticed, but that was last week, and inclining your ear, I want to encourage you guys, if you are here this morning and you're seeing that and you're like, oh man, I don't know how much effort I normally put into getting into his word and listening to him speak or getting into those prayer times and hearing his word, you guys are inclining your ear to his sayings right now, right? We're putting up scripture right now. We're getting into it together, so be encouraged. I'm happy that you guys are here. But going back to that list of the five ways that we can increase our spiritual hearing, I want you to think about this question. This is kind of a quiz. What happens when we do all five of these things? Ready? I'll recap them for you. When we call out to God, we participate in prayer and fasting. We're praying in the spirit. We keep a song of praise in our hearts and we hear the preaching of the word. What happens when we do all five of those things? I think that what happens is that we begin to experience the peace of God. Can everybody say the peace of God? Good. I know I'm going to have you guys repeat after me a lot today, but that is the title of my message. So that was an important one to participate with. I believe when we do all five of those things, not only do we increase our spiritual healing, or I'm sorry, our spiritual hearing, but we experience the peace of God. So what does it look like to have peace? Well, if you guys would Google the word peace or get into the dictionary and just look at its definition, according to the worldly definition of peace, it's a state or a period in which there is no war or a war has ended. Peace is a state 
of period in which there is no war or war has ended. Now, that's very different than the world we live in now, right? I, I kind of fun, I find it funny. My parents are visiting right now, and something that they routinely do is they'll, they'll watch the news after they, you know, have dinner or whatever just to make sure they know what's going on. My wife, Taylor, and I, we don't have cable, and we typically don't watch the news, so we're kind of out of the loop. And so the news has been on recently in our house, which is like a new experience for me. And it just seems like, man, every single day there is something not great happening in the world. But I don't think I need to tell you guys that, right? It's no surprise to us that our world is not in a constant state of peace, right? It's very different than the world that we live in today. There's a reason why the stereotypical answer in the Miss America pageants or whatever it is, is what would you do? What would you do if you had like all the power in the world or if you had one wish, right? It's always world peace, right? Because it's very clear that that's not the world we live in, but it's something that we all want. But not only is peace different than our current world, it's actually also different than our spiritual world as well. I think a lot of times, depending on your understanding of the things of God or the way that you grew up or what you've been taught, a lot of times when you think about heaven or the spiritual realm or any of that stuff with angels, you oftentimes, at least for me, kind of associate it with everything there is perfect, right? Everything's fine. There's no kind of spiritual warfare going on, that's for sure. But as you guys heard, when we were talking about an announcement, we have a group starting tonight, a discipleship group that's going through six weeks that's actually focusing on spiritual warfare. Why would we need to spend six weeks in an intensive course on spiritual warfare unless spiritual warfare was actually happening in our current day, right? Makes sense? And so not only do we live in this natural world while there's no peace or we're not in a state of peace, but there's actually, according to this definition of peace, there's no peace in the spiritual realm right now in spiritual warfare either, right? Because apparently the definition of peace is that a state or period where there is no war or a war has ended. Yet we see spiritual warfare happening constantly. In fact, in Ephesians, we're going to go to Ephesians 6. I should have had you guys turn there earlier, but this is a very, very common place to read out of the Bible, so you may find this familiar. But we're going to go to Ephesians 6, starting at verse 12. Paul tells us, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So not only is it me just trying to convince you guys that the spiritual realm has spiritual warfare going on, we see it directly taken out of God's word, right? So according to our definition of peace, there is no peace in the spiritual world today. But here's what's interesting, is that if we also look at the same Bible, the same word, the same God's word, we're actually promised peace as believers in Christ. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, again, a very popular verse as well, or a very popular passage. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Right? We talked about last week the five ways to increase your spiritual hearing. Number one was to call out to God. So it's just a reminder, let your request be made known to God. And then at verse seven, it says this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
I think this is so key to realize because not only is it a promise, but we need to look at the wording of this as well. Verse seven, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which we'll talk about in a second, but will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We were just singing a song this morning that Susie wasn't alone. I don't think I heard it much before this week other than occasionally on the radio, but I wasn't familiar with it. But we were just singing a song about lifting Jesus's name on high in our hearts and in our minds. And we find out now that the peace of God is guarding our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so lifting his name above all things, you can rest assured. I think sometimes it's interesting when you come to church, it feels easy to worship. And then when you're out in the midst of the real world, it can feel awkward or embarrassing to worship because people might be seeing you or something. But rest assured that when we're lifting on the name of Jesus on high in our hearts and in our minds, it's actually guarded by the peace of God, according to the scripture. In fact, Jesus himself even promised us peace in John 16, verses 32 through 33. It says this, Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come. And by the way, this was before he went and was crucified on the cross, okay? This was kind of his pep talk in one way or another. But behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. In verse 33, he says this, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so right there, Jesus himself has kind of told us, he was talking to his disciples, but this obviously applies to us as well. Jesus himself promised that we would not have peace in this world necessarily, right? It says that you will have tribulation in the world, but in him, we would find peace. And so how is it that we can be promised peace, but when we just read in Ephesians about spiritual warfare, we're also promised warfare. If peace is the state of no war or where a war has ended, how could we possibly be promised it if we're in the middle of spiritual warfare? It doesn't make sense, right? Well, that's because the peace of God is not the peace of this world, right? When we look up what is peace and it gives us that top Google results in the dictionary, that's not pulling it from the Bible, right? That is a worldly definition of peace. The peace of God is something that is so different and it's something that is promised to us as believers. And it's not easy necessarily to attain if you've never heard about it before. I think that's the other thing that we need to talk about this morning. Peace is something that everybody is trying to attain one way or another. Now we looked at peace and it had to do obviously with war and there not being war. Apparently that's the definition of peace. But I think you guys know, even in a worldly definition of peace that's not focused on war, people still want peace in their personal lives. I know a lot of parents in the room and new parents that apparently all they really want is one peaceful night of sleep without any interruption. I don't really know what that's like. I only have cats and I tell my wife this all the time. It's nice because when our cats fight in the middle of the night, I can separate them, put one in the room and just shut the door for the night. I don't think I can do that with a baby. So I don't know if I'm really like prepared. You know what I mean? But if I do that, guarantee you the rest of the night, I'll be able to fall asleep and have that kind of peace. And so everybody in the world is looking for a little bit of peace in their life, whether that's absence of war or just peace in their own 
personal life. On a much more serious note, I think we all know that there's dark things in this world that can kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It can kind of distort our ability or our perception of how to attain peace. That's why we have things like addictions or strongholds or things that we can't break through. I had a really good video pop up on, I don't know, some social media thing. And I don't remember if it was Christian related or not, but it was about people's perception of what alcohol can bring to you and why people all of a sudden struggle and are addicted to alcohol. And it was that, yes, there is this physical byproduct or physical effect where you are quite literally addicted to it. But much more often, the mental and emotional part of it is that you are addicted to trying to attain peace. If I can just calm my jitters or whatever it might be, I follow people that are into competitive video gaming and competitive, I don't know, board games and stuff like that. And some of them will even say, sometimes before I go out there, I'll just have a nice like shot of whiskey or something to calm my nerves. That's what you always hear, right? I go to alcohol to calm my nerves. I go to alcohol to calm whatever it might be. And it's this illusion of peace. And so if you can understand that and understand that that's what you're chasing after, this person was saying that's what you can actually go after. I just thought that was interesting. But it just went to show you that even if that wasn't a Christian perspective of it, that we are all after and value attaining some form of peace in our personal life. And as Christians and as believers in Christ, we are promised the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. So if it surpasses all understanding, how on earth are we ever going to understand it? I think the truth is you won't fully understand it, but you will be able to experience it. And so I know a lot of uh, spiritual mentors or people that I look up to that, I don't know, it just seems like they're always on fire for God. It seems like they're always in tune with what he's saying. Jay and Susie are a part of that list. And I'll meet these people and I'll look up to them. And it's so funny because it's like, no matter how chaotic their day is going, no matter what kind of curveballs get thrown their way, they seem to still be able to stay calm and just being like, oh, it's all going to work out. I'm not really worried about it. And nothing's really ruining their day. And I know people in Iowa that pastor and people involved in ministry, and it seems like it's the same with them. When I go to like the self-checkout at Target and I'm trying to ring something up because I'm in the hurry and it gives me an error code, I am furious. I lose all sense of peace in that moment. Like I will let the smallest thing ruin my day in my state of peace because five minutes before that, I'm telling you I was like singing worship music in my car. And so I don't know how they do it, but I will tell you, I know what it is. It's that they are so in tuned and they are so focused on what God is doing in their life. And they're actually valuing his word and his input on what they're going through. And they're walking hand in hand and step by step with him so that the peace of God surpasses all understanding. I don't know how they do it. It's mind blowing to me when I see it. Like, how are you not bothered by this? Pastor Susie ran out of gas the other day and I had to bring gas to her. And you could see she's even laughing about it now because it wasn't a big deal to her because she was going about her day focused on ministering the things of God. As funny as it is, it wasn't really something that disrupted her day. She had this peace of God about her because she knew it would work out. She knew that it was going to be something where she could still attain the ministry that he had called her to, right? He had her covered. Sorry. 
Well, I had you covered, I guess, technically, but I'm just saying that would have ruined my day. And when I got there, you were all cheery. So anyways, we'll move on. The peace of God is something that we are promised. It surpasses all understanding and it guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so even if you don't understand it, I do want to let you guys know that you can experience it as believers in Christ. And so if you're after that personal peace in your life, this is not just a promise of comfortability and ease and you're never going to face tribulation. Jesus himself told us, we've already read it in his word, that we would face tribulation in this world. But it's in him that we would have peace. Peace is not the promise of no difficulty. It's the promise of having a way out. Does that make sense? I don't, I don't want a God that's just going to give me a really easy, cushy life, honestly. I want a God that can bring me out of the strong or the hard times that I find myself in. And that's the God that we serve. And that peace of God will help you stay focused and maintained in those moments as well. So this could be a sermon in itself. What is the peace of God like, right? We could go on and on. This could be an entire series. But today, there's one example that I want to highlight. It's in Ephesians 6, 14 through 15. It says, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And so when I learned about the armor of God, which is what this is referring to, by the way, I would always think of the shoes portion of the armor of God as the shoes of peace. I would always go around giving little mini sermons to youth and stuff and talking about the shoes of peace. And I would talk to people about the armor of God and just reference the shoes of peace. And it wasn't really until a couple years ago that I realized it's not the shoes of peace. It's the shoes given to you so that you can give the gospel of peace to others, right? When we are instructed to put on the armor of God to face whatever kind of tribulation that's in our way, we're given shoes for a reason because we are supposed to bring the gospel of peace to others. And Jay kind of ended his message talking about that, right? How would they hear if there's not a preacher? And we'll get into that. But the shoes of peace is something that I think, uh, again, it's not the shoes of peace. It's the shoes that give you the gospel of peace. But the shoes is something that I think illustrates very clearly and understandable in our heads. I, uh, I pray for Maui, Hawaii, by the way. I'm about to talk about Maui. But when I was last in Maui, before the wildfires were happening, um, we actually have family there. And so we were visiting family. And uh, we, I hadn't been to a lot of like beaches or oceans or anything in my life. And so the Hawaii sun is very different than like Texas sun or Florida sun. It's hot and it will burn you like crazy. But what I didn't think about is that these beautiful white sand beaches that we were going to, that the sand itself would also be hot. And so when I was walking around on the beach and just enjoying my day, it was actually beautiful because I was wearing flip-flops, right? I was having a great time. I was looking at the ocean and everything. And then my flip-flops got all sandy and everything. So at one point I took them off and I took maybe four or five steps before my feet were burning. Like I thought they were like actually getting the flesh kind of scorched off of them, right? And so you realize very quickly, or a lot of you guys have toddlers and stuff. I don't know if you still have Legos and all that kind of stuff, but if you've ever stepped on a Lego, it's not very pleasant, right? And so you realize very quickly what shoes allow you to do. And shoes kind of allow you to traverse any kind of terrain in your way, and you actually can stay focused on why you're moving, right? You're not trying to tiptoe around. You're not trying to get there as quickly as possible. 
you can just kind of go about your day and still be thinking about what you're thinking about. Very clearly or very obviously, it's, it's important for us to be focused when we're bringing the gospel to others, when we're supposed to be sent out and actually be a witness and tell people about Jesus and tell, what's, tell people what's available to them. And we're given shoes for a reason to be able to traverse any kind of terrain that's given to us so that we wouldn't be distracted from that, right? We just read in Proverbs 4.20 earlier that if we would incline our ears to his sayings, and this is actually a part of his sayings, I would say, is that we are actually promised healing. He would bring healing to us. And I think that's important to realize that if you guys have ever been in a situation where you need physical healing, something that is in the way of your emotions or your mindset or whatever it might be, God wants to take care of that so that you can get back to doing what he's called you to do. He doesn't want you to have that kind of ailment in the way. I had an ailment for a really long time and what finally broke it, I was praying for healing and I never really experienced healing. But what finally broke it is I woke up one morning and I was kind of righteously angry with God, not at God, but I felt like God was almost this, had this righteous anger with me and wanted to take care of an issue that I had been dealing with. And so I just told God, I don't think it's right that I have to deal with this when I'm trying to do ministry, when I'm trying to go and have youth group or be on the worship team and I'm dealing with this physical ailment that's distracting me from bringing glory to your name. And so then I just declared that I was healed and I believed that I was healed even though it didn't feel like it. And three days later, I was healed. And I think that's kind of what you can think about the shoes that would give that are given to us as the armor of God to bring the gospel of peace to others. There's this terrain and things that can affect your physical well-being that would get in the way of you doing the ministry God has asked you to do. And he wants to give you the tools, whether that be healing or shoes that are given to you so that you can traverse and give the gospel of peace to others. He wants to equip you. And so if you feel like God's called you to do something, whether that's just talking to your friends at school or friends at work or family members or whatever it may be, and you feel like something is physically in the way that has been stopping you, that you have to get to bed earlier, that you can't go out for very long because your back problem is hurting you. I don't know. I've heard it all. I know a lot of us have to deal with physical healing. I believe that God wants to heal you. And so I'd like to pray for you after service, if that's you. Just keep that in mind. Okay, we will continue on. I went off on a tangent there. But when we talk about the armor of God, I think the shoes of the gospel of peace and the belt of truth are very underappreciated items of the armor of God. I was preaching a service, or I was preaching a sermon, rather, at youth group once. This is back when we were meeting at the Marriott, and I was talking about the belt of truth. So I wanted to really, like, hone it in and have illustration. So I purposely wore, like, my most baggy pair of jeans that I had, and I loaded up with heavy things in the pockets, and then I didn't wear a belt. And I just made sure that I always had a hand on my, my, waist, my waistband and I would be preaching about the belt of truth the entire time. And at the very end, I finally put a belt on and kind of tied all the sermon illustration together. But the point was that the whole time I was preaching, not only was I distracted, but other people were distracted by how I only had one hand available and I was always kind of making sure that my pants were obviously on, right? But the whole point was, you can be distracted and think, no, 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 I got it. I can still, you know, do my thing, what I'm called to do, preach this sermon. I, I got it. I, this is all me. But if you don't have the belt of truth, and in this case, his word, you will be distracted always by trying to do things your way, by 
putting forth some of your own strength, your own effort, your own talents to try to bring forth what God's asking you to do. But the, the thing is, it's going to be devoted into something that you need to keep up, right? The belt of truth is designed to be something where we get into the word of God. We get into the truth and we're in it so often that it's engraved in our hearts and we put on the belt of truth and so that we can call upon it anytime that we need. We can do the things that God's asking us to do without being hindered by focusing on our own strengths, our own efforts, our own talent. We have his word engraved into our hearts to be uh, available at any time. Does that make sense? And I think the shoes that would bring this gospel of peace that we're talking about, this personal peace of God that can be attained for all of us is kind of also this undervalued appreciation. And so the belt of truth is something I didn't want to go by today without bringing up. But Romans 10, 14 says this. This is what Jay ended his sermon with, and I've kind of alluded to it a couple times. But it's so important to not only understand what the peace of God is, but to understand that others actually value it, they want it, they desire it, and they are focusing and they are trying their hardest to attain it in other ways. And for some people, it's not even their fault. It's just what the world has told them, right? Oh, you need to calm your nerves, take a shot of whiskey or whatever before you go out there, right? It's stuff like that where I don't think people realize that peace is something that is promised to us through God. People that don't have a relationship with God may not have even realized that it is a resource that is quite literally promised to us multiple times in his word. And Romans 10, 14 says, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Pastor Jay brought up that in this specific situation, Paul saw someone and had faith. Paul saw someone that had faith that they would be healed. And that man had faith from hearing the gospel that was preached and having an expectation that he would be healed. So this man had an ailment. He wanted physical healing. And he heard this gospel that was preached. And he heard that he could be healed. And so all of a sudden, he chose that he believed that he could receive healing from what he was hearing. And we're in the same situation today here in 2023 is that when we are brought into situations, whether it's our marketplace or when we're going to work or going to school or whatever it may be, there's a lot of people that haven't heard the gospel. I think it's easy in America to think that everybody's at least heard of Jesus or heard of God, but I don't think everybody's actually heard what he put to death on the cross and the new life that's available to them. And so it's important to continue to talk about it. And it's important to continue to show that you have the peace of God. And if you feel like you haven't experienced it or you don't walk in that, I would encourage you to do a lot of the things that we just talked about increasing your spiritual hearing on, but ultimately to draw closer to him. You guys are going to go out and I believe that you will minister to many people. I believe that you'll want to pray for people, but I believe that you actually need the peace of God in order to be able to do these things, right? You need to be able to have your heart and your mind guarded. And the peace of God is what does that. And so we're going to take some time to, to pray and make sure that happens. But I would just say, number one, again, if you guys have any kind of physical healing that you want or that you're desiring or you're wanting to receive, I'd love to pray for you up front. But we're also going to pray that you would experience the peace of God if you feel like you never have or that you just need to today. I'd like to pray for you uh, up front as well today. But I just want to encourage you guys that uh, Pastor Susie says this all the time, but we're not here to play church. 
right? We're not here to just come on Sunday morning and hear a message and, and go home. We truly believe, and this is part of the reason that we're so uh, invested into groups. There's more groups than just what meet in this building. We truly believe that there's many people in this room that are going out and they're witnessing to people. And a lot of times those people that you're witnessing to, you're the only glimpse of Jesus that they're going to see. You're the only glimpse of Jesus. You're the only time they're going to hear the gospel. So I know that's a lot of pressure, but just know that the Holy Spirit is with you. And so that's why we're praying for you today. But it's important. I, I don't know. Uh, I know some people in this room have different strengths than I do. I'm not great with evangelism. I'm not the greatest people person. Pastor Susie and I worked at Starbucks together, and it was very clear when people enjoyed when she was on the drive-thru window receiving their drinks and when I was on the drive-thru window, because I'm not really a people person, right? We all have different strengths and different weaknesses, but we are all called to preach the gospel. I, I've been watching uh, F1 racing. I have so many illustrations, I apologize. But I've been watching F1 racing lately, and uh, if you've never watched it, it's just very fast cars. That's all you need to know. But they have to come into pit stops and get things like their tires changed and things like that in order to continue the race, right? And so I had this thought. They go pretty quick, so I looked it up. They have three mechanics per wheel. That's 12 people. They have a tire gunner mechanic, a tire off mechanic, and a tire on mechanic every wheel. They have two members who jack the car up, a front jack and a rear jack. They have two members that steady the car, a left steady and a right steady. They have one member that oversees the pit stop and decides when the light goes green when the driver can go again. And they have two members to carry out the front wing flap adjust. I don't know what that is, but I know that they're there and that they have a job to do, right? They have two spare jack mechanics. They're not even used, but they're there in case they're needed, right? And then they have a second pair of eyes that oversee the car if anything goes wrong. So in one pit stop, it takes 22 mechanics in order to make sure that this car is ready to go. And take a guess on how fast they go. It's under five seconds. I'll give you that hint. Johnson Ford. So the fastest pit stop in 2023 was by Team Red Bull, which is on your can, actually. I found, found that interesting. And it was 1.98 seconds. 1.98 seconds, every single person in this pit stop knows what they're doing. They're there for a job, and they've perfected it. And I truly believe that as we are a body of Christ, this is not about performance. This is not about setting records. But just realize that you might be thinking, well, I don't know his word that well. I'm not, I'm just thinking of things that I'm currently doing, by the way, but I'm not on the worship team or can play worship music for people. I'm not leading a ministry or a group right now. I don't know what kind of things I can do to bring to the table that God's wanting to get done. But I would just encourage you to spend some time with him and pray and the first thing that you feel like you're called to do or the first thing that you feel like God's asking you to do, to just start there. Because every single one of us is a different part of the body of Christ and only he is the head. So you're never going to get up to the most important part anyway. So don't even worry about that. Just be encouraged that you are valued as a body part of the body of Christ and that we are all called to do different things. Because at that point, when it's needed, when the job is needed, that one specific job that you have is, is needed to get his gospel to go forward. Does that make sense? It's similar to this whole pit stop situation or whatever it may be.
But the peace of God is so important, you guys. Like I said, I know we didn't like dive into it today and everything that it is. But the main thing that I, I left open and vague for a reason is because there are so many alternatives that people are seeking through substance abuse, or it might not even be that. It might be this quote unquote, like healthy lifestyle that people get obsessed with fitness and dieting and tracking pounds and all this kind of stuff. There's so many different ways that people are attempting to attain personal peace in their own life. And I truly believe the only thing that's going to last forever is the peace of God. Realize a lot of people just think that when we die, we go to heaven. That's like what it's all about. I'm just going to believe in God so that that happens, right? I got that checked off. That's the reason I go to church. But there is an abundant full life promised to us while we are here on earth. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not worried about having the peace of God when I get to heaven. I'm pretty sure that's like a given, right? I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. I'm pretty sure I'm going to experience that when I get there. But I'm interested in the peace of God that's available for me while I'm here on earth because there's so much going on in our world that requires it. And so if that's you, if you feel like you, you know, have never experienced it or want to experience it today, I'd like to pray for you, but really, really, truly realize, I would hope you would take that as an encouragement and a charge to bring it to others that aren't here today in your family or in your friend circles or in your workplace, whatever it may be, because everybody is looking for personal peace. But I think the peace of God is the only thing that's going to last. Amen. All right, let me pray for you guys. If you could actually stand with me, um, I just feel like we've had so many sermons or uh, clips or quotes or whatever it may be about positioning ourselves in a place to receive from God. And so I take that quite literally. So we're going to stand. Um, if you guys would just bow your heads with me, I'm going to close this out in prayer. But Father God, I thank you for what you offer to us. Lord, that not only do you offer us salvation, Lord, but that you offer us peace the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Lord, I thank you that we don't need to fully understand it, but that you do still give us glimpse of, glimpses of it and that even if we don't understand it, we get to experience it. God, I thank you that you don't call us to just live a lifestyle that is completely free from any kind of challenge or any kind of adversity, God, but that you are equipping us to be able to overcome it by putting all of our strength and all of our focus into you. And so, Lord, we thank you for what you are doing in us. I pray that you would speak to the people in this room a personal revelation, whether that be through their time of prayer, through their time of devotions, through their time of getting into your word, even on their drive home, Lord, whatever it may be. I just pray that you would be speaking to them so that they would know that you are not only real, but you are speaking loudly and clearly to them. Lord, I thank you for the series that we just went through about hearing your voice and that you do speak loudly and clearly and that you are faithful in that promise. And I thank you that it doesn't stop there, but that we can increase our spiritual healing as well, or our spiritual hearing as well as we just draw closer to you. And so Lord, we know that when we call out to you that you are faithful to answer. And so we call out to you right now, Jesus. And I just pray that you would be speaking to us loudly and clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, you guys are dismissed, but again, if you guys would like prayer to receive either, you know, the peace of God or you need spiritual healing, um, or physical healing. I'd love to pray for you up here. Otherwise, don't forget that we have groups starting. If you're interested in those, you can come talk to me or Pastor Jay or really anybody here on staff, anybody you've seen on stage. And uh, yeah, you guys are dismissed. Have a